Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Vicki, and I am so excited today because I have a former student of mine from a while back. Yes, it has been a while. while back. This is Dr. Sarah Varnell, who is a veterinarian. And she has such a good story. And because I have so many young people who have been interested in the animal sciences and veterinarian work, uh, we, when she came into town, I said, oh, Sarah, would you just stop your busy schedule and come visit me? So she's here with me in my office and we're going to chat. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So give us a little bit of your like what you're getting ready to start now, because you're starting your first official post everything. Yeah, so everything being finishing undergrad, vet school, and then it's very common. Um, I'm an equine doctor, so I specialize in horses, so I'm a horse vet. Um, And to kind of go into that field, it's really common to do an internship. So I just finished a year-long internship as a doctor, but kind of working under other doctors. And so now I got hired as an associate. So I'll be working um, full-time as a doctor um, out in a practice in Ohio. That's exciting. Yeah. And Ohio is pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. I've yeah. been to Cincinnati once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little more north in, in Ohio. But yeah, Cincy's cool. They have a lot of um, good zoos. I would actually did my undergrad fairly close to where I am uh, got hired in Ohio. Ah, so that's a good segue. So what, what I wanted to do today is to share your journey because we do get so many young people who are interested in what you're doing. So could you start... And just tell a little bit about your homeschool life and how you chose college and where you went and you know, the whole, whole <laughs> the and, whole journey. <laughs> and, and how on earth did you choose vet work rather than chemistry or... Well, know, first of all, my parents were chemists, so there was a pact on never to choose chemistry as a major between all the sisters of us. <laughs> um, we all agreed that none of us would go into chemistry. Um, so <laughs> chemistry was off the board from the, the first That's aspect. like my kids, none of my five kids went into psychology. And I said, surely I'll get one therapist out of them because I am one. And no, they're all different things. No. Um... But chemistry actually was pretty important in my my career path. But I ended up, I always liked animals growing up. Um, I started riding at a Christian summer camp when I was 10. Uh, so I kind of got interested in horses in that regard. Uh, we did have cats, despite my dad being allergic to animals. <laughs> so that was always a bit interesting. I went over to a lot of friends' houses and played with their pets. Uh, and then in high school, I did biology in ninth grade, um, just kind of, actually no, eighth grade. I did it before high school. That does not surprise me. Um, I did it because my older sister was in biology at that point, and so we coded biology, and there's also a co-op going on that we uh, ended up joining. So just kind of timing-wise, I ended up doing it early, really ended up enjoying biology, really liked it, uh, and so that kind of push my interest a little bit more into the biology scientific field um, and then kind of pairing with my animal interests. Uh, I did a lot of volunteering 
Uh, I worked at a horse rescue. I worked actually at the Brandywine Zoo for a little bit. I remember that. Carrying snakes around. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was the person at the education cart with all the like skulls and little different facts and trivia about the animals. And sometimes I'd have like a snake. And mm-hmm. yeah. So that was, you know, I always liked the animals from that point of view. And uh, high school kind of and being homeschooled really let me do a lot. I could go to the zoo and work, not on weekends. Um, I could go and work at the horse rescue. I could take extra science classes that I was interested in. True, yeah. So I ended up doing a marine biology course. I did a half credit of zoology or zoology um, that we had kind of put together. I did chemistry. I did advanced chem. So a lot of the homeschooling kind of let me figure out a lot of different aspects. I could shadow some vets. Um, yeah, you did. So did you mm-hmm. shadow equine vets? I didn't in high school. I ended up shadowing small animal vets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that <laughs> was interesting because that kind of tore me on whether I wanted to pursue the profession or not. Because I really liked the small animal vets I shadowed, but it was kind of more boring than what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, they, they did a lot of interesting things, but... I really liked being out when I worked at the zoo and working at the horse rescue. I kind of liked being out and about and traveling around. Um, and the small animal vets were often in offices with no windows all day. Uh, yes, true. So mm-hmm. that that was hard. I ended up in college when I went to college getting connected through another homeschool family that I used to babysit for with an equine vet and shadowing mm-hmm. it that way. And I spent... Uh, summer waking up at 4 a.m. and spending 13-hour days on the road with this vet because she was a uh, racetrack vet. And oh my uh, I loved it. And I was like, huh, maybe, maybe this is something I should really reconsider. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's nothing like going out there and shadowing or doing an apprenticeship or just hands-on with the different situations to let you know if you love it or not. So I, I remember before you were in high school, working with another high schooler who she was determined she wanted to be a large animal vet. But when she shadowed a real vet going out, and she says, this, this is like, there's no sleep, but there's no life. She says, I, I think I will go into something a little calmer. So, but when you tried it, you go like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. Yeah. 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 yeah the schedule is crazy, but I sort of liked that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a small animal vet, you have much more of a regular schedule and uh-huh. things like that, which is a lot of the appeal for that. Uh, for me, that kind of regular work wasn't why I liked vet men. Mm-hmm. I liked going out and seeing different farms and being on the road. I loved to drive and driving around. Um, so that part of it I really liked. And it was interesting because you've asked me kind of how I chose vet med. And I said in high school I shot at small animal vets and I kind of had that interest in maybe being a vet. But it hadn't really solidified actually until I got to college. Now I went in Uh, to college mm -hmm. as a zoo and wildlife biology major. Uh, I knew I liked animals. I knew I wanted to study animals. I knew at that point I hated human anatomy and physiology. (laughs) Took care of that part. And I was not going to become a human doctor or a nurse. Uh, I had eliminated those because I had no interest in for me whatsoever. But I wasn't sure whether I wanted to pursue being a vet or maybe doing some research or working with a zoo in some other capacity. 
Uh, so you had you had interest. You knew it was in the animal area, but you were college level and hadn't quite narrowed it down. Yeah, which means it's just fine to be college level and don't have it quite narrowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my field of interest. I had a major. I knew, you know, generally what my options were to pursue this career. Um, you know, either being a college professor or, as I said, a researcher or even a veterinarian. Um, all of those kind of start at the same place yeah. You with a biology or zoology degree of some kind. And so I picked my major, and when I went in, I also made sure there were a couple requirements for vet school and grad school that were not met in my zoo and wildlife biology major. Uh, so uh-huh. I actually made sure that I talked to my advisor in the science department and looked at what classes I needed to get into various vet schools or graduate school programs and made sure that they were kind of on my radar and I signed up for them as well. So I kept my options open, uh, but still had that focus of kind of what I wanted to do. And again, in college, on Mm -hmm. my summer breaks, I shadowed vets. Um, I worked, I kind of, you know, in classes, you got to, they brought in some people to talk. There were clubs on vets who came in to talk, researchers who got to talk. Obviously, you get to talk to your professors who are college-level professors and teaching. So you kind of got to know what each of the different fields were like. So as you went through the college process and made yourself available to the different opportunities that were there, then it helped clarify. And you also planned ahead. Like, if I decide to go into vet, I'm going to need these extra courses that aren't in my program. So so you must have had a good advisor. I did. I did have a good advisor. And that was one of the benefits where I went to school. So I went to Malone University, which was a small Christian school. Uh, and with that meant I had a very small science department where the advisor knew us and all the professors knew you one-on-one mm-hmm. very well. Uh, the advisor I had ran our entire zoo and wildlife biology department, was the advisor for all of us. Uh, ended up, when I told him I was interested in vet school and was trying to figure out requirements, he ended up calling Ohio State Vet School for me and looking up requirements and things like that. So Yeah. So that's, you know, sometimes kids think if they want to go into a rigorous field, like anything medical, they need to go to a big state university because it has the name. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what I've noticed is kids are kind of lost in the process, so they have to figure all that out by themselves. So one of the benefits of going to a Christian college where it was small, everybody knew everybody, is your advisor cared enough it was a good advisor. Yes. Yeah. Was a very good advisor. Um, to, to help advocate for you and make sure that you were getting what you needed for next, next steps. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that was I did go to his office and was like, here, hey, you know, I'm looking at grad school or vet school. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure I meet these requirements. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of it was me telling, walking in there and telling him that I'm keeping these options open. Yeah. Um, this is kind of my path and, and goal. And I ended up, I had a piece of paper with all my classes because it was a small university. So you had to watch classes were offered every other year. Oh, so you had and to so you really right. had to make sure that you didn't miss a class. <laughs> yeah. Um, or it could really throw off your graduation yeah. timing. Yeah. Not just a year, but possibly two uh-huh. if you missed a class. So I actually, sometime in my freshman first semester, sat down and like 
with the class listings online and kind of the academics, um, and then looking myself at vet school requirements and grad school requirements, making a list of classes and when I was going to take them and when they were offered, um, and adding up credit loads and things like that. So you made sure you did your work. So yes. you advocated for you and kept things organized. So yeah. a little on the type A side. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. uh, which does help uh, when you go into the vet Yes, <laughs> it is a type A field. So. Yes. so speaking of type A, <laughs> of all the vet schools in the nation that you could have applied to, you apply to the top one in the nation, going from little old Malone yes. to University of California. Yeah. So tell us what what gave you the gall to do that? Why did I apply <laughs> to University of California and think I could get into the top rated vet school? Yeah. Um, especially when the only other pre-vet major told me to my face I wouldn't get in. Um, that was warm and encouraging. Oh yeah, it's great when it, you get really great encouragement from your classmates. <laughs> um, so being type A personality, I looked at when I was definitely knew I was in, interested in going to vet school. I had shadowed and was like, this is for me. I really like this career. This is what I want to do. So I looked at applying and I looked up average number of vet schools applicants apply to. And it was... Five to seven. So I applied to six. Because <laughs> that's how my mind works. Is I'll just take the middle of the average and that'll work. Um, I applied to pretty much all of the ones on the East Coast. Um, so the way that school applications work is if you are in a state that has a vet school, that vet school reserves so many seats in that school for in-state students. Uh So University of Pennsylvania um, reserves, I think it's about 50 or 60% of their vet school seats for Pennsylvania students. Uh Uh So if you are not from Pennsylvania, you are going for what are called open seats. Mm -hmm. Delaware, where I'm from and had my legal state residence at the time, had no vet school, still does not have a vet school, they do sometimes have agreements with vet schools to take a certain number of students and reserve seats at other state universities. Uh, unfortunately, Delaware's had one seat in Georgia and one seat in Oklahoma. Not too much reciprocal going on there. No. Yeah. So I pretty much looked at the numbers and was going, okay, well, I'm going for open seats. Uh-huh. So at that point, then it really didn't matter where I applied mm-hmm. for vet schools. So I applied to ones that were close to home on the East Coast. And then growing up, I mentioned I had two cats. Well, my cat veterinarians were actually both UC Davis graduates. Oh. So they had gone to UC Davis, met and got married in vet school, and then moved to Delaware somehow. I'm not exactly sure how. Um, (laughs) And opened their own vet practice. Uh, So I knew Davis. I knew of the reputation. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of looking for my sixth school to apply to. I'd applied to five, and I was like, I'm looking for a six. Why not California? I'll just go for it. Uh, it also sounded really good after uh, four years in the snow belt of Ohio. Yes. So uh, I was just kind of on a whim. It didn't have a supplemental application fee, which was really great. Oh, nice. Uh, so there was a lot of kind of reasons mm-hmm. why I just kind of threw my application into the, the Davis pool. So, and then interviewed, which is kind of the next step you get offered interviews. One flew out to California, had to reschedule all my finals Uh because finals overlapped with the interview. 
uh, which was... Oh, my goodness. Your so I had your year finals. Junior yeah. year? It would be... Senior year finals. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of smushed them all into the beginning half of the week yeah. <laughs> to catch a plane to California. Uh, flew out to California, really liked the program. Uh, so each vet school's programs organized slightly differently in terms of how they run their curriculum. Uh, there's just minute differences on how it's approached, whether they have a lot of large animal emphasis or small uh, animal mm-hmm, emphasis, mm-hmm. Um, whether they get you working with animals in year one, whether they kind of do system blocks versus um, the more traditional normal, abnormal treatment kind of scheduling oh, for your year. So actually uh-huh. how they organize how you learn in your classes mm-hmm. is kind of different between all of that schools. So I really liked how Davis organized theirs. It seemed like it would be a really good fit for how I learned. Uh, the campus was beautiful and uh. it was December and I was in <laughs> California. So that might not have yeah, something that, to do with it. <laughs> a little bit of influence. All right. So you, you went out there, you flew out there during finals week yes. and interviewed. Okay. All right. So, just as a side, what made you so good at interviewing? Uh, actually, rhetoric. So, I was part of the high school homeschool rhetoric team starting in eighth grade. Again, it was a high school team, but again, my older sister wouldn't join unless I joined. So, I joined in eighth grade under duress. <laughs> 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 and you were running it at that point. <laughs> your, your mom and I did that yes, together. Yes. Yeah. So um, you, you I don't really know if you ever knew choice. it was such a duress. Ended up liking it. Yeah. it d- didn't stay duress very long. Uh, enjoyed it. Stayed. Um, and then actually joined my college uh, forensic. Uh, we called it forensic mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. team in college and ended up traveling and competing at the collegiate level in speech. That's cool. It was. It was, for me, something so totally different than my science classes. It was yeah. a nice break. Although I did bring in, like, a lot of science into my pieces. And I did an impromptu category. Uh, my coach encouraged us to pick different categories. And mm-hmm. uh, I could either do, I think it was, like, a research speech or impromptu. And I was like, well, I don't have the time with my classes to do a research speech. Yeah. So... I'll do impromptu. That's yeah. easy to prep for. <laughs> uh, and with the impromptu, it's a five-minute speech given pretty much off the top of your head. You have a few minutes to prep for it. Uh, but really, you're just kind of coming up with yeah. things to talk to. And in California, the interview style is called M- MMA. Or, sorry, MMI. Multiple mini interviews. Um, multiple mini interviews. interviews. So right. you go, and it's basically eight rooms. Uh And they have a scenario in the front. You read the scenario, you go into the room, and you have to answer questions on what would you do in that scenario. Or there was, like, uh, describe how to tie your shoelace. I can't tell you actually what I had to describe because of all the signing things that say you won't Uh, give away their interview questions. uh But it was kind of like describe how you tie a shoelace to someone who's never done it before. Um, and this is your interview at University of California. Yeah, this is your vet school interview. So, so your speech training, I mean, this was a spontaneous, let's, let's do a serious plug here, but in high school you start, but you leaned into impromptu in college. Mm-hmm. So by the time you got to these crazy little interviews. Yeah, they were five minutes long. At that point, I had five minute time, like dead on. Um, once you finish answering the questions, 
in your interview, you weren't allowed to speak and the interviewers were not allowed to speak to you. Uh-huh. And so you, if you didn't use up your full five minutes, you sat in absolute silence, which I heard uh-huh. from other people was very terrible. Uh-huh. Um, I ended up never sitting in silence because my speech training, I had five minutes really easily drilled into my head. And so for me, the timing of using up five minutes, I kind of it knew. It was internal. Yeah, yes. it was just natural. And like I would finish pretty much as the timer would go to the next room. So you had, in, in undergrad level, you had your shadowing and your different experiences. Mm-hmm. Scientifically, you had your courses, you had a good advisor, you were type A, but you also had that impromptu. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't know that was that MMI was coming, but it no. sure worked out well. Yeah, no, it, it really did. And it was kind of, you know, I never thought that speech would <laughs> help me get into that's cool I mean it always looks good in your resume sure. to do extracurricular activities and yeah. things like that but it really does help and even in the vet profession a lot of people think that you don't have to talk to people being a veterinarian but uh, we like to say at the end of you know every lead rope or leash there's a person yeah so mm-hmm. animals just don't usually show up at your clinic by themselves no, it doesn't happen often. no <laughs> <laughs> not, not likely um and so usually you're are interacting with the mm-hmm. owners and the clients and educating them and informing them what's going on or what you think's going mm-hmm. on and telling them your treatment and trying to explain it so they can do it yeah. and, you know, inform you what's going on. And so very James Harriet. Yes. 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 <laughs> people do vet work with vets that they know, like, and trust. And so if yep. you are, are personable and kind to the people that you are working with, and take care of their animals well, then you've got a winning situation. Yeah. 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 So much to the fact that actually a lot of vet schools are including communications courses in their vet school programs. So Mm -hmm. at Davis, we had a whole class on communications. Uh Uh (laughs) Did you learn anything new? Yes. uh, Because it's a lot of communications in a different approach than what I had in terms of competing. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of how to break bad news to a client, uh, how to deal with a client who's sitting there rambling on and on and on and on and on and won't let you get a word uh, in edgewise, and you're like, okay, let's <laughs> refocus the topic. That's so, brilliant, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So those are things that in speech class you don't really focus on because when mm-hmm. you're giving up speech on stage, those aren't typical situations you face. Yeah. So, But my communications background did help me in the communications classes. So I'm, I'm going to kind of ask one more question and then get you to come back for a, a second session on what you really need if you want to think about vet school and that process. So, yeah. so tell us what you're getting ready to do in your, your, you're a full doctor, you finished your internship, like what's, what's your job going to be? And one piece of advice for a homeschooler who's in high school thinking about vet. So what I'm going to be doing is, as an equine doctor, uh, we have a facility that you can either bring horses into the facility for, or most of my job will actually be out in the road. So I'll be going and seeing horses and treating a variety of conditions. So vaccination appointments, um, preventative health care, you know, addressing teeth, making sure that they can eat and stay healthy before they do something that absolutely needs the requirement of a doctor or vet. Uh, kind of like when you go in for checkups and things like that. You don't mm-hmm. just wait till you have to end up in the ER yeah. uh, before you go to the doctor. So a lot of what I'll be doing is 
that ambulatory work, but I will also see emergencies. So when things go wrong, horses jump through fences, um, get cut up, kick each other, uh, get infections, uh, get sick, get colds, get fevers, um, just Call, like people. Yeah. Like people usually don't jump through fences. But, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not typically. Yeah. Um, but horses will. <laughs> um, usually when they're spooked or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you see a lot of very unusual cases. It's, it's never the same, which is the fun part. Uh, and then in the clinic things, I'll do things that, you know, if they're lame. So when they're riding and they're walking, some part of their leg is hurting them. So they're mm-hmm. limping. And mm-hmm. so... You're basically trying to figure out where on any of their four legs uh, are they hurt, why, mm-hmm. and then helping them treat it forward, whether it's developing arthritis or they pulled a tendon or mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So the treatments are very different and mm-hmm. you can work up your diagnostics and see what's going on and, and monitor kind of their recovery. So we do a, a lot of very yeah. <laughs> different things uh, and then a couple just general surgeries too. I'll probably be involved in. So it sounds like a lot of variety and probably some crazy hours, but that fits your personality just perfectly. Yeah, and it's a big enough practice where there's enough doctors, so the crazy hours are divided, which is... Uh kind of one of the benefits of a bigger practice. So if yeah. you're a solo practitioner, it's all you have you. all of your flexibility maybe, but you're the one on call every night, mm-hmm. every day. So at this practice, I'll be splitting those nights. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably be on call one night a week and then one weekend a month. So I have the rest of the time to have a life. And that's, that's not bad. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. No. So what's one piece of advice you'd give a homeschool high schooler? Who is interested in vet them? I would tell them to really look into it, um, shadow, explore that career, and explore other careers similar to it. There's a lot you can do with a vet med degree. It doesn't all have to be what you see in the small animal uh, preventative doctor. There's specialties from cardiologist to Ah. ophthalmologist so you Uh could be a doctor specifically only looking at eyes you can do horses you can do cattle Um, there's zoo vets uh, wildlife vets you can also go and do research um, for like the cdc and the government Ah. in terms of export Uh import Uh Um, there's a lot of uh, food safety vets who go and kind of help inspect food and um, do well care visits and things like that so even if you're like, well, that active James Harriet lifestyle isn't for me, there's still a lot you can do with a vet degree. Uh, so, but looking at those options and yeah, just really exploring, just, yeah, yeah, really deciding this is what I want to do. Because if you're not sure that's what you want to do, it's a really long, hard path to get to the point where you decide that's not what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, so really making sure that you actually have a passion for mm-hmm. it. Um, and are dedicated, and that's really what you want to do, and it's not something um, in another field that you can help animals with or interact with animals mm-hmm. with, doing research or teaching or um, working at a zoo mm-hmm. or just having pets on the side. I know um, classmates of mine who were small animal doctors, like horses, have horses, rode horses growing up, mm-hmm. decided they didn't want to treat horses, they'd rather treat small animals mm-hmm. and have their horses as their hobby. Yeah, so there's the only way you know is to do some exploring mm-hmm. and then let things unfold at college level also. Yeah, yeah. yeah, knowing that, you know, career versus a hobby. 
And they're very yeah. different yeah. aspects. And while you want to like your career, you also just can't pick it because that's yeah. your hobby. Yeah. Good advice. So thank you, Dr. Sarah Varnell. <laughs> You're welcome. <It's> done. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been the Homeschool High School Podcast brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. And we'll talk to Sarah again. Mm-hmm.